Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode um, of our small group series here at City of Hope Church. This is actually week three in that series, and today we're starting a brand new chapter, a brand new value called Identity. The first two weeks we spent a lot of time talking about the gospel, so if you haven't heard those yet, you can go back on the channel there and listen to those. So when we talk about identity, we're just going to dive straight into things. We're talking about really the question of who am I? And the chapter opens with a really interesting point that says, when you and I were born, we were not born into a neutral space. Rather, we were born into a river, a cultural space with currents that formed and deformed our very identities. Our very thoughts about ourselves and why we matter, what we must do to matter, are all shaped by our cultural and social environments. And this is so, so true. What do you think about that, Clay? Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, it's a, it's, it's, it's something that you know. Scripture talks about. When I think about it, I think about that verse in Romans twelve two that says to not be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Because there is, there is a will of this world system. Satan and demonic powers have a will for your life. We, formed by our own cultures and, and different pressures in the world around us, have our own will. And then God has a will for our lives. And we need not be shaped and conformed by this river constantly. But honestly, we, we, we kind of have to be like a salmon swimming upstream, going against the grain, against the current of the forces uh, that are in our world, trying to, trying to literally shape us into something. Basically, if, if you're not walking with God intentionally, you will by default be conformed and shaped by this world and its cultural pressures. And that's something about a Christian is that we have to take a pretty hard stance and pretty and, and move pretty firmly in the direction of bent against culture. But I mean, it starts from a from a very young age. Uh, what is our identity? What are the things uh, that are shaping us? That are forming us? Um, literally, I mean, just just even being raised in in Clay County or southeastern Kentucky, I think I think forms you, shapes you in a certain way. Uh, what your teachers or your parents view as important whether it be sports or education or whether or not that stuff's not even important at all mm -hmm. those things shape you what you see your parents or what you see your authority figures valuing and placing value on how they act their behavior um, you know even in american culture obviously career money uh, influence Instagram like all of these things in some way or another they're putting images before us to say this is what's valuable this is what makes you valuable and if you don't have these things if you don't do these things then then you don't have any worth and those currents are constantly working uh, to shape our identity and that's what identity is it's our sense of self and it's our sense of worth I told you uh, before we started when I was in uh, middle school, I can't remember, Mr. Allen, I think was his name, but we sat down and I was in seventh grade and he looked at all of us in the class and he said, who are you? And some dude like said, you know, Billy Johnson or whatever. And he was like, no, who are you? And none of us understood what he was saying, but the point that he was trying to get at is your name doesn't simply tell who you are. Mm. Uh, there's so, so many different things that make up a human being and their identity 
and and we can base it on a lot of different what you say i'm a white male or or i'm a you know there there's a million different things and people will will identify themselves based based on race age gender sexuality now you know all of these different things what is my job what's my career you know honestly most of the time when you get in a conversation with somebody you don't know everybody always asks what do you do mm-hmm. what what do you do so so as if that's going to define for them in in most basic terms this i can I need to get an idea who this person is so what do they do yeah uh, and then, and then you give them your career. And if you notice, there's even like a sense, maybe for if you don't feel good about your job or your position, when you share that information, you're like, oh man, you know what I'm saying? Like, like if somebody asked me, and I'm like, oh, I'm a pastor, you know, because <laughs> then they don't want to talk to you anymore. I've noticed. I've getting conversations with people and try to just hide that, and they'll be saying all kinds of crazy stuff, and they'll ask me, hey, what do you do? I'm a pastor, and it just ruins the rest of the day. <laughs> and I'm just like, just be yourself. But the point is those things that make up your identity and the question is who are you if you were to say i am what do you fill in the blank with afterward yeah what do you what do you say about yourself what are some of those things and what do you base that on is it based on your personality your looks your gifts your talents your money your possessions your gender your sex uh, whichever ones you identify with the most are the ones you tend to compare yourself against others as well. Uh, and, and so the question would be, wh- where do you compare the most? You know, uh, whatever you, whatever's kind of like your lane, like, and I'm just saying this, let me use you as an example, like you, you do a lot of videography. So in a lot of ways, probably deep down, sometimes you look at other videographies and you compare, or, or videographers, and you may compare yourself to them or their work or what they're doing. Is that, you know what I'm saying? A hundred percent. Yeah. And so me as a pastor or a teacher of the Bible, a lot of times just by nature, because I, I identify as that without even coming out and saying that, you know, um, I'm going to, I'll compare myself there mm-hmm. and see how am I measuring up, so to speak. And so usually when you find yourself comparing you're kind of hitting at the heart of what you identify with. Mm. Um, but, the, but there's a lot, there, there's a lot to that. And, uh, and how we, how we get a sense of identity, um, they break down in the book, you know, we can kind of go through that a little bit, but he breaks down how, how we, um, got a sense of identity in a traditional type of way and then more in a, in a modern type of way. But traditionally, you know, back in Jesus's time and before Christ, uh, even among the Greek philosophers and stuff, uh, there was this sense of you know being a good citizen, and there were elders, community elders that had wisdom, and traditionally there were there's a set of moral standards that they knew to be right, and you were a good person if you followed these moral absolutes. And you wanted to live according to that, and then they would say, "Good job, you're a man." Uh, you know what I'm saying? You're an yeah. honorable person. You're a good citizen. Yeah. And those externals would pressure you into trying to follow these guidelines of what it meant to be a good person. And the more you kind of met that, the more you had a, a sense of self worth. And you know what? I'm 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 an honorable man, or I'm an honorable woman, or whatever. And then as you moved, he talks about you moved down. 1600 science and reason came in. It was more about natural laws and trying to to understand how the world works. 
and all of those 1800s moved into romanticism and, and, and personal self-discovery. And then in our world, which we actually talked about this some probably in, in, in small groups here the last few weeks because we had, a, we had a little bit of handout for the small group leaders about postmodernism. And, and stuff like that. But in, our, in the modern world, there are no moral absolutes. Everybody lives their own lowercase truth. What's yeah. true for me may not be true for you. There's no universal virtues. Each person needs to look within, live your own truth, and accept you for who you are. And in the book, he talks about Project Self, which is basically you create your own brand. And each person defines their own good and works hard to accomplish that good so that they can find meaning in the world. So you're just sort of like, as a human person, it's project self. I'm trying to make myself look as good to get whatever it is that I want and I think is good. And then I'm going to work as hard as I can to reach that goal. Mm-hmm. And, and people are pursuing that based on what they, they sense to be the most valuable. And if they can't really find it within the cookie-cutter frameworks of society then they may go and do something totally different. And in our culture today, how much pressure is being put on children to identify? Ident- specifically, I identify. Yeah. I, that's the language that our culture is now using, and they're teaching that to children, and they're, and they're trying to say, they're giving, the, giving them these frameworks that honestly, when I was a kid, you didn't get to identify. You just were these yeah. types of things. I just clearly was a young white man, you know, with, with this potential in this particular area. But now you can identify as a fairy. And, I mean, I don't want to get too far into that because yeah. I don't want but, – but the point being is there's identity language everywhere now. Yeah, it's very and, common. It's yeah. very popular. And they're trying to move it they're, – they're broadening the scope of what it could be because we're moving into such a postmodern uh, idea of what it means to be a human being. Yeah. And and any and you can define it like it's you can ask people now what is a woman or what is a man and they can't hardly define it for yeah. you, um, even though these are things that we've we've thought to be clear for millennia. But yeah, and that's where we start to get in some real danger because, like he talks about here, identity and self is kind of found in this larger framework that gives us worth and value. And what you just talked about, whether it be traditional or more modern uh, types of false identities, what they're both rooted and grounded in essentially is this um, this idea where we look for human validation, whether it be uh, from other people or within ourselves, and essentially even getting into what you were talking about today, when we as human beings start to um, define for ourselves what is good and what is valuable it goes right back to the garden and that's where we made the mistake when we started to define for ourselves what what you see and just i mean just be real with yourself for a moment look back through history and look at how good humans are when it comes to identifying what is good and we're completely unreliable and that's what leads us into essentially an identity crisis isn't that interesting too though that like in the beginning Satan the serpent you know you have literature and scripture written millennia ago and and when the serpent comes in he offers one lie did God did God really say and he says no God knows that in the day you eat it you will be like God 
knowing for yourself good and evil. And the, the, the first lie is essentially, it's, it's getting them to question whether or not God's good and whether or not he's being fully truthful. But, it, but it's tied in with this thing that, no, you can choose for yourself what is good and evil. You can make your own identity and you can be your own God. And, and if you look at traditional systems of thought that have kind of, you know, ruled the first, the first half of, of, of human society, it was more about, well, there, there's, there's clear law, there's some moral absolutes. But the closer we're, you know, the deeper we're going down the road here, we're moving back to that lie as human beings mm-hmm. that we, are, we want to be our own gods. We, and that's, that's kind of a scary thing. But, but I think it, it kind of, in some ways, it points to the picture that ultimately we are, we are moving toward an end in that direction as far as people who don't know Christ. And I think the light and the darkness are getting b- both simultaneously strong at the same time. Uh, so I don't think that, uh, you know, I don't like to promote that kind of darkness in a way that it just shuts out what God's doing in the world because he's doing some major stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you do see society as a whole cut off from God going into these philosophies of they're, they're, I am my own God, and they're moving back to that original lie like you just mentioned. But, um, you know, one of the questions he says in these cultural frameworks is question one, where does good or morality come from? How do, how do we know which good to live? Mm-hmm. And like we said, traditionally it's outside of a person, it's communal practices, it's religion, science, art, and the larger culture will affirm that. Well, and, and even in the last 15, 20 years, that has changed dramatically. Um, and in the modern, it's just internal. Uh, you know, I've ha- I had a conversation with, with, with a lady very brief not too long ago where we mentioned some things in a, in a sermon, I guess I did, about, about sexuality. And, and really it's, it's uh, but we're, she, she said, but, you know, we're always taught we're supposed to affirm people for who they are. And one of the lies that I think we're, we're beginning to adopt, because this person's a very good, smart person, like, but, but, but I, I, would just, I would just push back against that because my argument would be is that that's not actually who they are. Mm. That's a false identity. Mm. And so as Christians, we want to identify false identities because they have adopted something by their cultural stream that has formed them into believing they're something that God has not called them. If God doesn't call them that, then it's not what they are. They've adopted a lie in our cultural frameworks. They're saying, this is good. You just affirm people in whatever they say that they are. When really what would be good would be to tear down the strongholds and the lies about who they actually think they are and bring them into truth so that they can be set free. Mm-hmm. When you know the truth, you are set free. And one of the things that you're set free from is false identity. And so we don't just want to affirm people for who we think they are, you know, quote, end quote. Uh, but but we want to bring them into the truth of who God says that they are. So where does good morality come from? Question two, who gets to validate you, right? Who, who says you're valuable and good? And traditionally, it would be the community or the elders that sort of held these things in, in place. But modern, again, we, we seek 
others to validate. We, we, everybody wants so bad. We have parades because we, what we're fighting for is the whole world to validate us and, be, and include us no matter what we are. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, that's honestly, it becomes a recipe for disaster because there is a moral standard in the world. Where do you draw the line? You know, where, where, did, where does it end as far as what we validate and what we say is wrong or right? Um, so, so and, and who does that? And, you know, and he talks about how, and you mentioned this earlier, but, but he talks about how human validation is unreliable mm-hmm. because you could literally have a kid who's doing good and their parents are trash, so they're just rejecting them all the time. Yeah. And, and, and the kid's actually doing good. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, and the good behavior is not being uh, affirmed or, or, you know, honored or anything like that. And then there's kids that are doing bad, but their parents are, are idolize them. Yeah. <laughs> and so anytime they do anything, they have no correction, and they just tell them how awesome they are. And in both, in both instances, their sense of self-worth is undermined. Because they don't, they don't have an accurate representation of who they should be in truth, because they're getting, they're getting false affirmation or false rejection, and it's, and so they're questioning. Every child is craving acceptance, affirmation, and identity, mm-hmm. and parents need to do that. But we're fickle. That's why we need to teach them who they are in Christ and who God says they are, and that's that's so essential to what we're working through. Um, as, as human beings and, and as Christians specifically. But then it says, question three, what happens to those who fall short of our standards? So if we do have standards, and see, now the world has standards. Like, well, they've created their own religion because literally there's cancel culture now where if you don't affirm anybody in their chosen identity, whether it's real or not, you're canceled because that is immoral behavior to mm-hmm. them. It's not acceptable. Right. And so you'll be shunned. And then from from a more modern sense, if you're not shunned, which because now we just more, it's all about tolerance and accepting of every, everything and everybody. So then in, in modern type of a mindset, if you don't feel like you fit in and you're rejected, well, you'll enter into self-loathing and isolation. Um, so... Anyway, any thoughts you have on any of that stuff? There's a lot of that, a lot of stuff here. Yeah, it, there, it is. I think a part of that goes back to, honestly, some of the stuff we talked about in the the gospel part. And, it, and when we looked at some of those studies, you know, a large percentage of Americans, uh, American Christians, identify themselves as a Christian, but they don't read the Bible regularly. They don't attend church regularly. Um, so they have very shallow uh, roots, so to speak. And so... When we talk about um, identity and what God says about you, I think to put it kind of point blank, a lot of us don't really know what God says about us. Right. And so we very easily and quickly adopt all of these things that culture says, um, and we, we don't really understand fully what, what God even says about us. And that goes back to some of the stuff we've already talked about and how important it is to really dig deep into these things because you have to know what God says about you in order to have a firm, stable foundation. Yes. A framework, like we just talked about, you know, we're all fitting inside some type of framework, and God's framework is stable and it's reliable, and these other ones will, will let you down. Yeah. I mean, you'll, you'll, you'll be led into to destruction and, and basically 
an identity crisis. And I think identity, I'm, I'm so far I'm really loving this chapter because I, I didn't even realize it until lately. I think how much I um, maybe falsely um, looked at myself in terms of my identity. And, you know, as I've left the, the career in teaching and came on here at the church, and that's like been, like my career and my, like what I'm doing full time is like changing. Mm-hmm. There's been so much. Uh, I, I guess if anything, there's been like an attack on my identity. Yeah. And like who I am, and I I didn't realize how much of how much of the American culture was really ingrained in who I am and where I found validation. Yeah. And where I look to for validation, and you don't even realize you're doing it sometimes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's important to 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 look at these false identities like we're talking about to think about sit down almost and kind of think to yourself, you know, where where do you find validation? Where are you looking to, um, yeah. you know, like you said in the main beginning, like who am I? Like what's yeah. the first thing that comes to your mind? And how how do you see yourself? Do yeah. you do you feel successful? Uh, are you a failure? Are you smart? Are you stupid? Yeah. You know, are you rich? Are you poor? Like, and and in conversations uh, that I have with people, I'm always listening and paying attention and dissecting just because of the way I am by nature. But but if you have a conversation with somebody long enough, you can really very quickly figure out what what they feel like gives them value because they'll talk they'll talk about it. Um, and, and you'll you'll find it happening, and uh, you know, like for me, even any anybody that has a career or position or whatever, for me as a pastor, right? I could get so lost in that identity that if you were to strip that from me, I you may I may ask the question, well, who am I? I, me- I remember watching. I, I think I think maybe I was with you because uh, you used to watch some of those UFC fights, yeah. and you remember Ronda Rousey was just. Whip, yeah. whipping everybody for for a while yeah now, i can't remember who it was but i think we watched that holly home and beat her yeah she beat her yeah and when she beat her uh everybody was shocked i think but but ronda rousey did an interview with somebody and i remember her saying she cried she broke down and cried and she said when i when i got up off that mat and i went back it was like i didn't know who i was and my immediate thought was I'm going to kill myself because I don't know who I am. Mm. If I'm not that, like if, if something were to get stripped from you, you know what I mean? Your money, your career, your fa- I don't know. Like, but we, we use all these things to make up our identity and give us a sense of self-worth. And really they become sometimes idols in our lives. And people are, there's really two types of people. There's worshipers and then there's idolaters. And what happens with identity is we put something in the place of God to affirm us, to give us acceptance, to give us a sense of self-worth, to even tell us what's good, uh, all of those things. And when we have that, we feel peace. When we don't have it, we feel like we're a failure. We feel like we're broken. But I've, I've got this acronym that I've always used, IDOLS. Uh, and, it's, and, and if you break it down, th- these are ways that people really uh, – define themselves and here's what i found too is that people will violently defend their idols mm-hmm. and when you come against it they will they will get upset so the i is items 
And and here's the thing, people people literally identify themselves and they get a sense of self-worth in the things that they own. And we live in an age of competitive consumerism where we're, and I've said this before, but like we'll spend, there, there are people out there that spend $500, $1,000 on a pair of shoes. Mm. There's kids in Africa that just need something to cover their feet so they don't get glass in their foot. You know what I like, like it's it's competitive consumerism. I don't just need something for its function. I need it so that when you look at me, you see me as a wealthy person. Mm, that's good. Yeah. You see me as yeah. somebody who is successful. It's an American identity. Yeah. And, and, and so rather than getting things because they're functional and they help us live life better, you know, a, a car is going to get you from point A to point B, but we don't buy cars just to get us somewhere. We get them because they give us, it's a status symbol. Yeah. It represents that I'm successful. I have wealth. I have something. And it makes us feel better about ourselves. Yeah. This is huge, man. It really is. Like, we all do this so much. Yeah, we all do it. I recently had a Dodge Ram, and I felt like a... I mean, I was a man, son. I mean, I had a truck. It was nice. Yeah. And and I sold it. Now I'm driving a used Toyota Prius. And for a second, like my manhood was stripped it came, completely. It came away. your identity. It did. <laughs> it like what you identity. what you drive. You drive that Prius, and it changes you into like you get associated with some kind of like a a sissy liberal or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Well, and all, but it, it, seriously though, and. It, from the shirts that we wear, the hats we wear, the shoes, everything, most of the time we are 100% buying it because we're trying to look the part of some something. We're representing how our own personal brand and identity that we've created. Yeah. And we know that we're putting off a vibe to somebody so that because we want them to see something. We want and it, when we post something on Instagram or Facebook, we're doing the same thing. We're projecting our identities and we're trying to garner either positive attention, maybe in some places self-pity, but, but we're living, we're functioning out of our identity. Mm-hmm. So uh, the other thing was, is duties, second letter in the acronym. Uh, but, but what am I? I'm a, I'm a student or a teacher or a mom or a dad. What you do determines who you are. And if you don't feel good about what you do, then um you know and and, you know if you're a mom you're going to compare yourself to other moms if you're in business you're going to compare yourself to other businessmen uh that type of thing because it determines who you are uh the o is others you can literally idolize and identify with individuals and groups uh it can be a denominator i'm a baptist i'm a democrat i'm a republic i'm a hardcore republican i'm a trump backer you know and you're, it's yeah. part. It's becoming part of your identity, um, and and when you idolize others or you idolize groups, you'll always demonize another group. Mm. Now I got to be honest with you. There are groups that definitely fall into line. Like you can categorize my thought, my thoughts, my thinking, my my political views. They fall into categories, absolutely. Sure. But how much of those categories actually make up who I am? Yeah. And and how much do I put them in a place of, 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 of godness, so to speak, to where I'll actually demonize things that are not that. Yeah, essentially are those things over the fact that first and foremost you are a child of God. Exactly. I'm a child of God first. I am whatever political party, like eighth, yeah. <laughs> if you can, <laughs> uh, or, or whatever it is. You know, like I said, denomination, uh, all of these things. 
And so the other thing is the, the L is longings. My life is somehow not complete unless I do this. I need to graduate. I need to get a better job. I need to get more money. I need to have a better car. I need two children. We need a better house. And you have these longings that you just don't feel like you're going to be complete unless you have that. Mm -hmm. And Scripture says, no, you are actually complete in Christ. You're living from a place of completion in Christ. Everything else is just icing on the cake. Yeah. He gives us wonderful gifts to enjoy, but the problem is is if we live from a place that's actually called covetousness in Scripture. We're not content. We're not complete. It's one thing to have a, a healthy desire, right? It's another thing for this longing to make you feel like you're no longer complete, and without it, you have no value. You have no worth. Mm -hmm. And you have to pay attention to that because those things are eating at our soul all the time. And then lastly in that is sufferings. And emotionally, relationally, spiritually, financially, our sins and the sins that people commit against us affect us and affect who we are. We could have had cancer. We could have been divorced. Maybe when we were a kid, we were abused. And man, a lot of times we, we begin to own those as our identities. We even become victims sometimes. And, and, and the truth is your worst day or the worst thing that's happened to you is not who you are. Mm. Uh, yeah. I would even go as far as to argue that, you know, in today's day, we want to identify as, well, I'm a heterosexual or I'm a homosexual or I'm this or I'm that. And your sexuality is obviously a part of you, but it's still not who you are. And, and, and God is creator and God is, is designer. And ultimately, my impulses don't make me who I am. Who I am actually from the Spirit of God actually trains me to navigate and have control over my impulses. Yeah. So I choose to function according to design as opposed to a postmodern philosophy of who you are is your impulses. You just need to do whatever feels good in the moment. Well, as Christians, we say no because we're, we're willing to deny self and and we're and to to grow in Christ and by, through the power of the, of the Holy Spirit say no to ungodliness mm -hmm. and worldly lusts, and and so that acronym idols. Think about the things and maybe some of them hit. You know the ones you get aggravated most in maybe are actually the ones that are clearest idols. Mm -hmm. um, if it hits at you when you say some of those things, some people probably get pretty aggravated, but. Yeah, and that's some good practice in terms of this week is to, you know, go back and and write that uh, that acronym down and think through, you know, some of those things. What formed or what has formed your current identity and what things aggravate you in that list. Uh, maybe identify some false identities or, or identify some things that you may be actually putting first above the fact that you are first and foremost a, a child of God. Uh, and it's easy to do. Uh, you, you know, like we, we were talking about. So so that's some good practice for you guys this week is to, you know, kind of allow the Holy Spirit to maybe um, look at some areas of your life, some blind-sided um, kind of areas of your life in which you may be, you, maybe you have some, some false identity. Because we, we all have measures of that for sure that we need to work through and, and God wants to purify and, and bring us into a, close relationship with him in, in which we are putting him first and foremost and then everything else is secondary yeah i think i think that's a probably a good a good place to start closing um because 
you know, one of the things that he talks about on page 57 is when our identity fails. And that failure can lead to increasing levels of shame. And when we fall short of our ideal selves, um, we feel guilt. And that guilt can turn into shame. And and we internalize this, and it starts to really eat away. Like we enter into self-loathing. Mm-hmm. And we feel like pieces of trash. Yeah. And sometimes we even in religious circles can treat that as a holy thing, that it's a good thing to feel like trash all the time and beat yourself up and talk about how awful you are. Well, that's really not what God wants you. And, and what, what God speaks over us is something far greater than that. God rejoices over us. And so we want to come into that reality. But before we come into what God says about us and what, how God identifies us to be, uh, who, what he speaks over us, we need to understand that just like Adam and Eve, what we tend to do is we hide ourselves behind the fig leaves of false identities. Mm. And and we, we build these masks. We try to put our own brand out there, whatever it is. It can be uh, race, gender, sexuality, our interests, our accomplishments, our connections, our friends, families, our status, our wealth, our money, any of that stuff. And we put these masks on uh, to to try to to try to put forth this false identity to not really deal with the issue of who we really are, because we're trying to feel some sort of acceptance. We're trying to feel what God only can give us: acceptance, yeah. identity, affirmation. Yeah, it good. can only come from God. Yeah, and we look for it everywhere else, mm-hmm. based on these external things. And here's the thing: sometimes when we fail to to meet those goals like we want to. Uh, we put on a mask that just laughs at shame and guilt, and, and people will then choose to flaunt their darkest sins and live in that. They own their sinful darkness to mm-hmm. the point where they flaunt it. And, uh, and that, can, that can even become an identity where you just get, get caught up in that. But what I want to say is this. I would, I would try to begin to work uh, this week, and maybe you even share it in your small group, with... Um, with what are some of the masks that you that you struggle with? Um, yeah. What are some of the false identities that you may wrestle with? What do you tend to move toward in that acronym? Do you move to, more toward items, what you own, to 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 kind of make you feel better about who you are and have a sense of self worth? Is it about what you do? Is it about your job? Is your life caught up more in that? Is it others? Is it to be associated with a with a certain group or sect or party or, or, or friends or whatever it may be? Uh, is, it, is it longings? Is it stuff that you're just craving? If you can, and if you could just get to that goal in life, man, you'll be there. Or is it sufferings? Is it something that has happened to you that you've been so hurt that now that everything in your life is centered around that? And in all of those things, God wants to, God wants to be at the center of all those things so that he can heal the suffering he can make your longing be something that's that's far that's far better than what you're currently longing for. Uh, he can bring you into the family of God, where you know that you're a child of God. Uh, he can give you purpose in the duties that you have, but those duties don't don't define who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 all of these different things, uh, he can he can really get at the center of it. So, what are the masks? What are the false identities? And then start to look in Appendix A in the back of the book of who God defines you to be and, and start to pick out some of those things that really hit at the root 
of of what you're wrestling with, what you're struggling with. And, um, you know, we're all struggling with it. There's a Brene Brown, he, he quotes in here, he says, we're the most in-debt, medicated, obese, and addicted generation of adults in American history. That's crazy. And it's because we, we don't know who we are. Mm. We don't know what our purpose is. We don't know who God's designed us to be, and we're fighting so hard to find that. And um, and so anyway, next next week we'll talk more about a, a Christian framework for identity. But um, I think that's that's about all we got for this week. Yeah, it's good. I'm I'm really enjoying this identity section for sure. Yeah, and if anybody has any questions, hit us up. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you guys on the next one.